BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. watch Anya well Kevin we watched two (laughs) in the year 2021 uh two little rascals slash our gang shorts uh one was called hide and shriek that aired June 18th 1938 and the other one came in a few years later little miss Pinkerton that aired on September 18th 1943 and before we get too far into this uh, just in case people listening might be concerned because the, you seem not quite as sharp, <laughs> not in tip-top shape. Also, the fact that I'm watching really old, dumb shit. <laughs> uh, there's something going on. What, what? Why don't you tell us that? what that is? So a few days ago, you develop a bit of a rash. We go together to the doctor. We do everything as a couple. We're very romantic that way. So I go with you to the doctor and the nurse comes in first and you say, I'm very, very confident that I know what this is. It's poison ivy. I'm very sure of this. And then the nurse kind of, yes, yes, yeah, sure. And walks out. And then while you're in that mode, you see a big sign calling for uh, shingles vaccines. And you say to me, you say to me, Kevin, you're very old. You should get this shingles vaccine. 
because uh, you're at a great risk for shingles. While I, a young, vibrant woman in my uh, late 20s, I don't need to worry about such things. And then uh, the doctor came in and told you you had shingles. It was tragic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Is that basically what happened? I was hoisted on my own hubris. Yeah, and, and now it pr- turns out the, the symptoms of shingles aren't just a gross rash. It's you actually end up watching old Hal Roach shorts <laughs> from the 1930s and 40s and eating pumpkin candy corn on your couch <laughs> under a blanket because you constantly feel cold. I basically turned into an old woman. In fairness, weren't we watching some of these little rascals even before you got sick? Yeah, but this one finally felt like, oh, we're, 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 this is a terminal thing at this point. I think it's possible that watching little rascals is what gave me the shingles. I honestly would not be that surprised. Some of these have been pretty, uh, pretty rough to get through, to be honest. Growing up, we my family had these on VHS, so I watched a lot of them. But the thing I didn't realize was that the VHS t- tape, they sort of seemingly i think cut out some of the more racist ones so watching the full run because kevin and i are perfectionists and have to do everything you know all at once we're completionists it has made me realize uh how problematic some of these things are <laughs> not aged well by a long shot uh even though some of them are, are charming enough but it, it's it's interesting but now yeah now here i am i'm i'm eating these candy corns I'm under a blanket. I'm complaining about how cold it is in October, and I am watching Alfalfa and Spanky and the gang, and it's just it's a, it's a sad you, place. You to also be have in. this old fashioned the show must go on attitude. You pulled yourself up out of your sick bed to talk ho- semi coherently, probably <laughs> if about, we're lucky <laughs> about uh, the little rascals. It, it, I'm I'm like one of those great Broadway dames from the old times, you know, where I pass, you know, pass through the crowd and go to my place on stage no matter what's happening, because I know that the mystery to me audience craves this content. Yeah, they'd be lost without you. And even even if I have to be humiliated by my husband talking to the audience about my rash, and I'm rambling around, not not entirely sure what's going on, I have to be there. I have to do it. Should we include, like, pictures of the rash in the show notes? Yeah, that's a great idea. (laughs) Maybe we could also include a picture of your dumb fucking face. (laughs) Making one of your (laughs) trademark goofy mugs. You can't get enough of it. Yeah, I'm addicted to it, folks. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't believe I got shingles before you, though. (laughs) Part of the fucking benefit of being in an age gap relationship is that i feel eternally young like i don't really kevin's always like oh you know are are you uh you know are you worried about turning 30 a lot of people feel awkward about that and i'm like fuck it like you're 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 quite that being married to kevin prevents that typically but with the shingles thing that benefit has come crashing down uh, on me so it makes me feel a lot more younger more vibrant yeah you must feel like mr mr it factor <laughs> you're walking on air now <laughs> yeah i'm in the pig my head's in the clouds <laughs> i'm so healthy. never felt younger and more vibrant <laughs> kevin's gonna like audition for like skincare commercials or try to be try to be some sort of beauty influencer or something <laughs> Can't you see you being in one of those commercials where like the ladies splash water on their faces and it's like younger, more vibrant skin, <laughs> but, but it's you. <laughs> you have to admit my skin is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's, it's at really least compared great. to what's going it's, on with there's you. There's no shingles on it, so no? yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I couldn't do that now; it would be a farce. Yeah, you'd be laughed out of the joint. I would. Yeah, they would be throwing. <laughs> I, I'm a leper, essentially. And I'm doing like a Father Damien over here. Yeah, you're helping me. Jesus. <sighs> Didn't Father Damien show how Roach uh, shorts to the lepers? <laughs> if he did, then I don't know why he was canonized, because that's pretty cruel torture. If anything, I feel that watching these shorts, particularly the ones we're going to talk about today, should make you feel better. Because it's like 
if I was healthy, maybe I'd be doing these things like these kids are doing. And they paint a pretty dark view of life. Oh, you mean like if I was out there in the world, uh, horrible things would be happening to me? Yes. Well, okay. I mean, I, you've mentioned it, and now let, I, I, I will say, I think the, the sort of, this is a tale of two takes on the sort of detective mystery genre from, you know, a franchise that is pretty well known even today, you know, was influential, problematic in some ways. But, you know, people know what you're talking about when you talk about the Little Rascals. And what, the first short, which was actually the last one that had the involvement of series creator Hal Roach. What's the name of that one? Hide and Shriek. That is 1938. 1938. That basically is sort of a your conventional little rascals take on something where the joke is that they're kids, so they don't get how the world works and they get too scared too easily. All right. So even if you don't like the short, that's something we can all live with. Right. You know, sometimes kids get a big idea and it doesn't work out for them, but there's no harm done. And a lot of these uh, little rascals, the big joke is these are kids, but they're trying child childishly to adopt the conventions of adulthood. Like you see the kids try to like put on a show or run an office. And and somehow this is supposed to make, it's just supposed to be inherently funny. And in this one, they try to operate a detective agency. As a child, this was one of my favorite ones. This was one that I watched again and again, couldn't get enough of hide and shriek. I thought it was delightful as, as like a small child. So this was one of one of Anya's top ten for sure. So uh, why? Um, I liked mysteries. So I sort of the, the reason I liked Little Rascals as a as a little girl was because they were always like doing all these ingenious things and like building stuff. They'd like build a fire truck car. They'd build a boat. They'd build a, a clubhouse where they all hung out. They'd have all these gizmos and gadgets constantly. And as a kid, you're almost like Oh, these are kids. I could do that. You know, in reality, no. Set designers from the 1930s did that. You know, you, you're kidding yourself, little Anya. No one, you, and also, you don't have enough friends to even make that work. So what the fuck are you doing? But <laughs> Why are you being so mean to little Anya right now? I'm just saying she didn't know how the world worked. She needs to fucking grow up. So I, 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 I was, you know, but that was kind of but what. But she's okay. It gets better. <laughs> she's. She's fine, but she was really stupid. No, she's little Anya's over in the corner crying. Jesus. I'm being mean to my inner child, <laughs> as usual. What's wrong with you? Well, you know, I mean, like, it's not realistic that you're going to build a fire truck, you know? And, and like, I, you know, I was the kind of kid where I was kind of like, oh, I hope I meet a group of friends one day where we can have a Follies. You know, like, that's a thing kids do. What the fuck? You had the same thing. Little Kevin also was trying to be the Follies manager. Is that true? Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to put on shows. What bothered me most about the ones where they tried to be adults when I was a kid was part of the great humor in it is the kids misspell words. Like if a kid, the kids put up a sign that says out of business, they're misspelled the word business. And this is supposed to add to the hilarity of it. But as a kid, I just thought, I know how to spell that word. They're just making these kids look dumb. That insults everybody. It really deflated Kevin's <laughs> extreme sense of himself. <laughs> and it's like, you know, a kidnapper faking a ransom note and trying to make himself look illiterate. They always pick the wrong words to misspell. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't work. You'll, you'll misspell the easy words, but then you'll spell correctly the hard word. Mm -hmm. That's uh, always a bit of a giveaway. But, uh, you know, okay, so... The, but I'm trying to explain to you why I really like this one. I liked it because of that. So Alfalfa is essentially uh, thinks of himself as a Pinkerton detective. He's got this like psychedelic, uh, you know, how do you would you describe it? Like door knocker almost that's shaped like an eye and he could pull up the lid and look at people. I mean, what kid doesn't want that? I definitely did. So this is this is you're talking about his his detective office and what yes. what wasn't clear to me is where is this is this like the basement of his home or has he rented an office downtown in the business district? I assume it's some he got it through some connections like maybe his dad is the landlord at some commercial real estate space and nobody's renting the downstairs basement room right now so he's like kid you can you can go you just stay out of my hair you know 
just but you can hang out down there. Now, if you had like a ten year old who says, "I want to rent an office, Mama, Mama Anya," I want to. <laughs> I'd be like, "Don't call me that ever again, Junior. You're just like your father, sounding like an idiot." <laughs> You're so mean. I have the shingles. <laughs> That's your excuse for anything. You think it gives you a blank check? It really does. How would you react if, like, a 10-year-old kid or 9-year-old kid says, uh, Mother Anya, I'd like to go downtown to the business district and open up my own business. Be a, be a detective and take on potentially dangerous cases. Do I have your blessing, Mother? I'd be, like, really proud of them. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably try to redirect that creativity and gumption into something you know, that, that they could actually do that would be a little bit more safe. But I generally, I'd be like, please, if my kid was ambitious like that. Would you try to have some sort of adult supervision? Well, I mean, I don't know. If it's, if it's like, it's, if it's like, if they're soliciting adult clients, I would not want that. <laughs> That's, he has a sign up in what appears to be a relatively busy I'm just, street. I'm going to say this day. I just, okay. You're overthinking it. It's a little rascal short. <laughs> These little rascals shorts are deadly realistic. Well, we'll get to a little bit later. We're gonna get to that later. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just just saying, wouldn't you want there to be adult supervision? In this case, yes. But like, isn't this in the 30s and 40s where like adult supervision was like not a thing at all? People were just, you know, the, you know, the stranger danger didn't exist. You know, it was just kind of like. All right, kid, you want to start a new Pinkerton detective agency? Here you go. I mean, didn't, like, fucking Dashiell Hammett start detecting for the Pinkertons when he was, like, 15 or something? Did he? I thought he did. I thought he started doing it really young. He served as an operative for Pinkerton starting in 1915. He was born in 1894, so he was 19. No, wait. He'd be 21. He'd be 21. All right, he wasn't a kid. But it was a man of the world. And I think we know now when a person's in their 20s, they're like decrepit. That's the. <laughs> they're falling apart. Yeah. They're death's door. Yeah, you're in the golden years, Kevin. Uh, I think one of us is healthier than the other. It's not uh, the one in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, you yuck it up for now. I'm getting my last one. <laughs> the, the kitten's good. Yeah, before you break your hip in some embarrassing fall. By the way, if I break my hip in an embarrassing fall, everybody's heard this. They're going to come looking for you. The Alfalfa Detective Agency will come knocking and asking some hard questions. Because that's who you'd hire because you'd be in some sort of brain daze because you're so old. Little Miss Shingles. <laughs> Just lashing out incoherently. That, that, that happens with age. So I'm cutting you some slack. You're going to like put me in a wheelchair and dump me in front of some of the old person's home soon. Well, there's one not too far away. Oh, and I hear it's very nice. Roll me that way. <laughs> so he opens up this uh, detective agency. And the first people that come by, I believe, are uh, Buckwheat and Porky. And they ask to be sworn in as operatives, and Alfalfa obliges. Alfalfa's X10, and they're X6 and X6 and a half, which is a reference to Hamlet, who I referenced earlier. Didn't he create X9? Uh, yes, a mediocre comic strip. <laughs> not not our favorite Dashiell Hamlet, but connecting the whole thing here. Um, and, and so basically, the setup is pretty simple. Darla thinks that some kids... Stole her candy, and Alfalfa says, "Can we have the candy if we find it?" And she says, "Sure." So they're gonna find. You know, they're gonna. They interrogate these two boys, pulling them off the street without Mirandizing them, and putting them in a docket or like a, like a dock in like a courthouse, and they deny everything. But uh, Alfalfa lets them go. The plan is to trail them and see where they hid the candy. And at this point, they put on disguises. And uh, Porky, for some reason, uh, disguises himself as Adolf Hitler. Yeah, not a good look in 1938, kid. <laughs> not a good look at all. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Well, it's much better than anything in the next world. That's true. This is this is 
Honestly, Kevin, I think, was like, I, I had some nostalgia for this short. Kevin was like, this is terrible. And then we watched the next short, and I think I think your estimation of this one has gone up because you can see how wrong a mystery-themed Little Rascals slash our gang episode can go. Yeah, this one was inept garbage, but uh, it was a total waste of time. But it's much better than what happens in the next one. It's but we don't want to get ahead. Of it's it's it has some fun elements to it, even if it's not executing on everything. But it's not something that you find almost makes you sick to your stomach when you see it, which is what the next short is going to be. So, okay, so they uh, get into a truck. The truck, you know, because they think these kids are getting into a truck. They think the kids are truck drivers or something because the kids get in the front. But anyways, the kids psych them out. They end up getting in a box that is delivered to dun 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 a haunted house. Ah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a spooky sound. Why is this up so much? <laughs> oh God, what have I done? Jesus Christ! I, was, I thought it was this. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm not at my best. You think it's a blank shack? I just, I thought I thought that was the one. Oh God. Um, and you know. So when you're uh, sick, this is when you decide to integrate sound effects. I integrate sound effects once in a while. When the spirit moves me. So basically, they get delivered to the haunted house. They get out. They're in the haunted house. They think it's real. There's this creepy guy on the overhead being like, fee, fi, fo, fum, and they're, like, terrified about this. I think the reason I also liked this episode as a child was because, like, I'm used to haunted houses that are mostly just, like, a bunch of people in costumes, like, leering and yelling at you and, you know, jumping out at you. I remember we took a field trip to Albany when I was in fifth grade, and uh, <laughs> we, we went for some reason that included a haunted house. And there were all these scary movie posters, you know, Friday the 13th and, and, and stuff like that. And I was getting really, like, nervous about the whole thing. And then uh, the other kids in the class that you could opt to go on the, like, not-so-scary one, the kind of scary one, and the really extra scary one. And kids in my class were like, we're in Mrs. Britt Van's class. We're going to do the scariest one. I remember being like, yeah. <laughs> and I was really scared. And, and like, it was, it was terrifying. And I was like, I was, you know, I was... I was okay, but it was it was it was a lot for an anxious kid. And what I'm saying is like this haunted house is more of cute. Like there's like little skeletons, there's a little devil guy. And the coolest thing I thought was that there was a um like a like a basically a treadmill that they're all running from to try to get away from the monster devil thing with flames coming out of it at the end of it. And I thought that was really cool. And then when you when you die, when you fall down, you uh you slide into like this like thing of pillows and i was like that that's fucking delightful and then you get to fly on this bench thing towards a buzz buzzsaw that's my kind of haunted house that's all i'm saying i prefer that to all the gory weird shit you're old enough to have been on one of those haunted houses so so you said the haunted houses you went to was just people dressed Ooh. dressed oddly and leering at you you sure that it wasn't just brooklyn Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I had to wait a while because you, you once you started revving up, I had to wait a while to work in my, my little joke. Your little joke. I well I, I liked your little joke. I you know, but you went on one of, what was that like the treadmill thing? Because I've always wanted to do that. But I don't think those exist anymore, probably for safety reasons. Yeah, I went to one at a state fair many years ago. What was it like? What was your experience? It was fun. You're running from the monster. And so do you throw yourself on the ground to get? Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so fucking cool. I've always thought that was cool. Yeah, I can imagine that's like all kinds of fire hazards, safety hazards. But I, I always wanted to do that because of this short. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So then they fall down, a monster chases them. They escape the haunted house. Is the operator of the haunted house. Watches in amazement. He had no idea kids were in there. I had no idea kids were this stupid. <laughs> and if he didn't know kids were in there, like why were the attractions turned on to work? Well, Alfalfa, they were off, but Alfalfa switched the flip, the, flipped the switch. Jesus. Alfalfa, shingles. Shingles. Alfalfa flipped the switch to turn them on because he thought it was the lights. Okay, I missed that detail. You're not very observant. I guess that's a sign that you're getting a little older. <laughs> a little out to pasture. <laughs> like an old dog. <laughs> Your eyes aren't, aren't what they were used to. I can't even talk. Yeah. Uh, that happens with age. Yeah. You just stop making sense. Speaking of stop just making incoherent sense. incoherent rage spewing out. That's just me normally. <laughs> and it, you notice that people, when they get older, they often start attacking the younger generation. Oh. Wait, who, who am I attacking? You're attacking me. Oh, you're my Gen Z. Yeah, because uh, you're afraid I'm looking over your shoulder. Younger, healthy, a healthier person at least. Kevin's these days, they don't appreciate what they're given. They don't want to work for their money. I just want to lay back, put my feet up. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, like, I don't know. So that's basically the end. That's basically it. But it, it, in terms of stop making sense, not the, uh, not the Talking Heads lyric, but the... Uh, premise of the next one goes oh, but, off the rails but it ends though it turns out the candy wasn't stolen or something the whole thing yeah, they, those kids were wrongfully accused because they happened to be wandering in the wrong place at the wrong time so pretty ridiculous and then uh alfalfa closes up shop yeah he doesn't want to dream of being a detective anymore because it's it's too scary because you might get eaten by a monster or have a devil come after you <laughs> so what was the second one called and what year was that it was called little miss Pinkerton, and uh, it came out in 1943. At this point, now, Hal Roach was not involved. Uh, I think maybe it would be helpful if you explained a little cultural reference. What is a Pinkerton? So the Pinkertons were a private detective force that uh, sort of, I guess, came about in the. I'm not. I'm not. I'm no historian on this, but like at some point in the 1800s, they are well known uh, for. Well, randomly enough, they were used as the Union's spy service of choice during the Civil War to disastrous effect. And they also broke up a lot of labor strikes. They were thugs, <laughs> essentially, hired by companies to uh, come in and break strikes and uh, be assholes in general. There's a, they've, they've had a huge impact, though, despite some of these less savory elements of their history they've had a huge impact on the detective novel throughout history um and sort of the idea of the private eye sort of coming in of course they were they were known as the eyes right yeah the eye that uh never sleeps or something i'm looking it up as we speak they started up in the, in the 1850s uh they claim to have foiled a plot to assassinate abraham lincoln that, Claim being the operative word there. Was that was not on the train to uh, D.C. for his inauguration? All this is detailed in the book, The Pinkertons, The Detective Dynasty That Made History by James D. Horan. 
Did you know that the Civil War might have ended a year or two earlier if Pinkerton, General McClellan's intelligence officer, hadn't given the general grossly inaccurate information? That's from the back cover of this book. Yeah, they're they're still around though. I mean, they're they uh, they're a division of the Swedish security company Securitas AB, so they do still exist in various forms, even though they're not at their the height where they were breaking up the uh, <laughs> Great Railroad Strike of 1877 or the Battle of Blair Mountain in 1921. Pinkertons were regarded as the American Scotland Yard. First female detective in America, Kate Warren, was employed by Pinkerton. I think they're trying to make some movie about that now. So so she was the original Little Miss Pinkerton. She was a hashtag girl boss of hashtag stepping on workers next. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, so they, they were very influential. Dashiell Hammett, who we mentioned, uh, sort of uh, based some of his... Uh, you know, had some of his experience injected into some of his stories, and so they kind of remain influential. Of course, he was very left, you know, as he grew up. But you know, the the kind of kind of uh, the vibe of the Pinkertons has has remained uh, within mystery and detective fiction. And before we get into the details of this short, this one was made a few years after the previous one, and so by this stage in the game, there was a different iteration of the Little Rascals. The only character that was in the earlier one and in this one is Buckwheat. Yes. Other than that, everyone else has changed. Uh, the, the the cast, the main cast in this one includes uh, Janet Burston, who was uh, played Janet. She replaced uh, Darla Hood, who is the well-known uh, girl, little rascal uh, from some of the you know ones with Spanky and Alfalfa. Uh, then we also have Robert Blake, who is best known for playing Beretta, and who also has been uh, accused and tried for uh, arranging the murder of his own wife. Yikes! Um, and then, of course, there's poor Billy Lachlan, who played Froggy, who has a very strange voice. Not his real voice. Not his real voice. Yeah, I'm not making fun of a dead person. Uh, just in the show, he has a very odd voice. That's why he's called froggy what's sad is he died very young apparently he died at the age of 16 in, a, in some sort of vehicle accident was he uh like delivering papers or something and he was on a bike this says like yeah that. he was delivering newspapers in california so just a few years after this yeah in 48 so he, it's this is what sad. this was 43 43 so five years later he was dead so yeah. very sad but these are the kids in it now. So totally different crew, except for, of course, Billy Thomas's Buckwheat, who uh, was was sort of the for a long time, like the token black kid. Uh, and, and sort of his role has always been controversial within within this because it's kind of perceived as being sort of subservient to the white kids and, and racist. Um, and it is racist. It is. I mean, he, I mean, early on, he was basically, you know, dressed up to like look like a stereotype in some shorts. It's not really that noticeable in some shorts it's the whole it's the whole punchline essentially so kind of it's your mileage may vary in terms of what one you're actually looking at in terms of how racist it is in this one it didn't really seem to be a major plot point so it kind of goes goes under the radar so it starts out with uh one of the children is reading a newspaper advertisement a local department store is having a contest in the window of the department store there is a recreation of a murder scene and there are clues there that would enable uh, a careful viewer to solve the crime and if you solve the crime you win money from the store that's kind of a fun little contest I, i love that and honestly when i heard that at first i kind of kevin told me let's watch the little rascals with a murder in it and i was like he must have gotten his wires crossed. He's, you know, he's a bit older, right? Like, he might be kind of forgetting what's what. Maybe he just misremembered something. And this is just going to be a cute little episode about them solving the fake murder in the window. So I, I admit I was wrong. Kevin was correct. But These as, oldsters. These oldsters. I, I, I'm just, I'm taking the old woman mantle now. I yes. get that. I accept it. I'm just telling you I was skeptical at first because 
I thought it was a cute little premise. Like, oh, a little murder mystery in the window. Maybe at some point the kids think it's real, but it's not. Like, I mean, like, we're not watching the little rascals to, like, get some gritty shit. Oh, speak for yourself, sister. I want the dark, hard-nosed little rascals. You want the little rascals. Like, the Batman. That's right. You want the little rascals talking in gruff voices. And blowing things up and leaving question marks in their coffee art or whatever the fuck that trailer was. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? The Batman. This, hap- this happens with older people. The Batman. They just are just talking about things. The Batman trailer that you just showed me. Yeah, so you, you don't want to talk about what's happening because then it'll reveal how forgetful you are. Yes, dear. Yeah. You have to just agree with them to keep them calm. So there's a big crowd in front of the window. The kids can't see it. But then their friend, the kindly old janitor who works at the at the uh, department store, says, don't worry, kids. Come in tomorrow morning before closing. I'll let you in. You can take all the time you want studying the window. Just be you kids, nobody else. I'm a nice guy. That's just how I am. Love me, everybody. I'm likable. And so Kevin apparently really connected with this character. (laughs) And so the kids say, sure, sure, likable uh, janitor. Uh, Is that your nickname in high school? (laughs) So the janitor lets them in the next morning. They go to the window, and then the janitor is shot to death. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, folks. This sympathetic character that we're set up to like, the sympathetic, understanding adult, he's killed. And may I make the point that at no point during the time of the short does any character express the least bit of remorse or sadness over this man's loss. Yep. Basically, and... And I, I want to note, because sometimes bad things happen in fiction, but you can almost see it because you're like, oh, I guess it would have to happen that way for it to make sense. This guy could have easily been, like, clubbed in the head or locked in, like, the, the bank vault or whatever they were, the robbers were stealing. Like, and it would have worked. It would have been fine. You, I mean, because, you know, like, again, maybe maybe that's not realistic. Maybe in real reality, the robbers would kill adult witnesses. But we're, it's a little rascal sort. What have we forgotten here? So then the criminals say, well, what we should do is we should take his bloody dead body and we should take it to the window where the fake murder is set up and we should switch it. And so that way people will just see his body there and they think it's part of the display. And, you know... This also means they're going to have to take the fake body out and transport it with them. So why not just transport his body? Yes, and also, and I, also I don't think your move as a criminal should ever be like let's put the 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 let's put the body of the murdered man closer to where people are going to be seeing and interacting with it and see flies and maggots growing on it in real time because that's what's going to start happening. So they go, they take the body to the window where the kids are. And the kids hide. And then it it takes time because they have to strip the dead man and put the dummy's clothes on the dead man. So this bloody corpse of their friend is stripped naked in front of them. I don't think he's actually naked. (laughs) Maybe that's what you were picturing, but... So, so in your version that they put... Why would they need to change his underwear? So in your version, they put the dummy's clothes on over his own bloody clothes? I don't... That would... I don't know, Kevin. I'm just telling you that your version... I, I don't think the facts bear that out. Maybe that's what you wanted to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying this was... I'm just trying to underscore how horrific this thing is that these kids witnessed. And then after they've made this exchange of clothes, they are struggling to get the dummy, the new dummy, out of the window, at which point one of the kids sneezes, revealing his presence. And so the, the bad guys, well, it's three, the three boys are hiding under the bed. The girl, Janet, is like hiding in a chest. 
so that they, they see the three boys. And at this point, the uh, bad guys talk openly about murdering the children as well. You know, little rascals. He's like, oh, we'll pop them too. And the and the, this was a mean criminal and a dumb criminal. The dumb criminal's like, oh, we can't do that to kids. The mean criminal's like, they're witnesses, so we gotta. And it's like, what the fuck? Also, these kids seem old enough to know, like, what's going on. Yes. Uh, they know what death is. They know what's in store for them. It's awful. So the kids are bound and taken hostage, loaded into the car of the criminals, and driven off to parts unknown. Although, I guess Froggy says aloud where they're headed to. So then Janet rushes over to the police and tells them, my friends have been kidnapped. And the police thinks, oh, ha, 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 that's rich. And so... I mean, this was the this was old times. And, I mean, when you follow true crime, that's how sometimes small-town police officers seem to react to things. But she she's now in this horrifying situation where her friends have been captured. Their lives are endangered. They may be killed at any moment. And she can't get help from those in charge. So she says, well, what I'll do is I'll round up a bunch of kids on bicycles. <laughs> so uh, more kids can get killed. In yeah, this. so they're going to go, these kids with bicycles are going to go to the criminal headquarters and potentially be just mowed down. So at this point, we cut to the house where the kids are being held hostage. And the dumb guy finally begins to recognize, yes, I hate to do it. We have to kill these children. At which point the three boys kind of sadly say their final goodbyes to one another. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck am I watching right now? In a little rascal short. It's like someone did a sick parody of the little rascals with some dark violence and somehow it got swapped into the DVD that we owned. That's what it felt like. Do you want to see like Buck Buckwheat confront his own mortality? No, I don't. And there's all these kids on a bike, and one of these children who's facing death will actually be killed on a bicycle a few years later. It it's it's in it's incomprehensible why they made this. At this point, the uh, police chief gets a more reliable report of the crime. He heads out. He he encounters all these kids. He gets the information about where the hideout is. He speeds there just in time to see the bad guys head off. And for some reason, the bad guys have not killed the kids yet. They have the kids in the car with see, them. See, okay, but at first, okay, first of all, two things. The police officer first loads the little girl, little Miss Pinkerton herself, into the police car so she can participate in a potentially dangerous chase with the criminals who have her friends. Great idea. Very, very child safe. Love this from our law enforcement in this episode. And the other thing is that you only see the criminals leaving the house at first and you don't see the boys tied up in the car for a while. So for a hot second, I was thinking like, oh, my God, <laughs> they already done it. What's going this, on? This is one of the last ones in the series. So, I mean, it fits. <laughs> what the fuck is that? What? Jesus. So this time a car chase ensues with gunfire. The, uh, the bad guys are shooting the cops. The cops are shooting at the bad guys. And what finally brings this gunfight to a halt is one of the bad guys pulls up Froggy and uses Froggy as a human shield. So the, the cops know if they keep on shooting, they're going to kill this innocent child. And again, this is a little rascal's short. And then, like, to be, maybe it was just my perception because I was not enjoying it and upset by it, but this scene seemed to go on forever, this chase scene. Tommy guns, they're all shooting, it's, like, loud, it's violent, and and you're just, like, the, the, the police officer puts the little girl's head down in the car so she doesn't get hit. It's like, what am I seeing? All these kids, even if they survive, are going to be scarred for fucking life. And then at this point, Froggy, who has been used as the human shield, has been moved to the front seat and of the vehicle. And so somehow, this is the big denouement. This is the big dramatic conclusion. Froggy is able to surreptitiously put his mouth on the ignition key without the bad guys noticing. 
and Abel with his mouth to suck the key out of the ignition and accidentally swallow it, at which point the car stops and the bad guys are apprehended. So there's some tasteless jokes that could be made there if <laughs> this didn't involve, if, if the actor wasn't a child. Yeah, so we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. No, this mystery to me is a family program. And in either way, it's, there's enough to talk about in terms of it just being like, what the fuck upsetting. And basically the, the ending gag is that Froggy's in the hospital and the camera, you know, the, the, the reporters are all there taking a picture. Well, first of all, the doctor comes in and says, Froggy, I've, I've recovered the key. It's gone through your bowels. It probably has little bits of your fecal matter on it bits of your blood. I would assume the doctor would clean it off before handing it back to him, in fairness. And he says, this, this dirty, filthy thing, encrusted with your own waste, I'm giving it to you as a souvenir. So I know you'd want to keep it. And so the, the reporters say, Froggy, show us what you did with that key. And so then Froggy puts the key in his mouth and swallows it. And that's the big gag finish. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> And it's sort of, like, I'm not trying to, like, Froggy obviously was instrumental here, but, like, they called it Little Miss Pinkerton. You'd think it would be a little bit more about, like, a girl solving a mystery and less about, like, violent gun shootouts and car chases. And basically, Froggy's the hero, in a way. I mean, like, the girl alerted the police, which is important, but it's also important that the car stopped. Because apparently the, the, the crooks were willing to kill the children in the course of the car chase. I mean, it... it it's not coherent. Well, if if uh, Janet hadn't gone to the police and shared the, this information, the boys would have been killed. I guess so. I just it, it didn't seem to give her a lot to do at the climax, which is probably not the best thing to do with your the person you've designated as the main character. In so it. you would have liked to have had her like be there, like chewing on a stogie, yeah, cracking wise. Maybe 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 have her come up and you know shoot the bad guys in the head before they can shoot her friends. Wouldn't that have been fun? The bad guy's about to about to shoot them in the head. Sorry, boys. And all of a sudden, the, a red a red dot appears on his on his forehead. And he's, oh, what's that? <laughs> Blown away. I would have like loved it if like when the bad guys had stared at Froggy and said, "You know, Froggy, we're not too different, you and I." <laughs> I really don't like Froggy's voice. It's upsetting. Sounds like he has some issue. Isn't he like trying to imitate Donald Duck or something? I guess, but I don't like it. Yeah, before this recent round of us watching some of these, I, I I told you, oh, I remember watching the later ones with Froggy. He was a little bit creepy. You've never even heard of Froggy. I didn't know who Froggy was. And I guess this also supports your thesis that I'm the old person in this relationship. Because you were more familiar with the silent uh, R gangs. I I wasn't familiar with the silent R gangs. I was familiar the very with earliest ones with sound. The early ones, yeah. I was I watched a lot of those growing up. You watched a lot of the new whippersnapper ones. Yeah, the ones done in a new decade for MGM, the, the snappy uh, the snappy studio. Ones with that more of that sophisticated glean for the a younger audience. The sterilized ones that have child murder all over them. Yeah, back in your days, they didn't dare to touch those issues. Yeah, they would have just, you know, the worst they could get is, oh, you have a bad time in a haunted house. That's not so bad. You can get over that. And of course, as you admitted, you watched them on VHS. So that kind of dates you. You were watching them in, like, what, the wall of, like, some sort of pizza store you went into a lot? I mean, that makes you sound like an actual little rascal. Like, you're looking through the window at the big fancy TV because, sure, we don't have one at home. Uh, there was a pizza place in town that showed some of the silent little rascals. Kevin's little—it was fine family entertainment. Kevin's little urchin face pressed up against the glass. We don't have one of those newfangled talking radio pictures at home. <laughs> that was you. You were a little rascal, and you were home watching your VHS tapes. Your little cassettes. My little eight-track tape and cassettes. 
Yeah, no, this was a this was an upsetting one. I, I didn't like this one. Child murder is not something to joke around about in the little rascal short. And I just it, it would have been very easy to have this go down in a way where like, you know, it would have been tamer, I think. What what if they just what if there's like a contest and they don't realize that the contest is like a murder mystery and they get they get confused and then they think some of the cops are the bad guy. You know, like like something like that. Something silly. It's it's harmless. It's fun. We we don't need buckwheat thinking about how he's never going to see his parents again. <laughs> That's not what I signed up for here. Well, you know, they were trying to do something a little bit different. So you're defending this? No. You're defending the indefensible. It it was bad. Both of these were bad. Like, the first one, Hide and Shriek, was silly. But, like, you know that Alfalfa in a few years would be telling that story as sort of a funny anecdote. Like, oh, yeah, I thought it was, I was really wigged out on sugar, and I thought all these things were real in the haunted house, and people would be laughing. But actually, in a few years, wasn't Buckwheat shot to death in an argument over a dog? Alfalfa was shot to death. Buckwheat yeah. lived to an old age. I thought you were talking about Alfalfa. Well, you said Buckwheat. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, alfalfa was... Uh, shot to death over a dog as an adult, so that's upsetting. But but let's say the real the, at the, least Stymie had a few good years. Oh God, Alfalfa. Let's say the Al, the character as opposed to the actor. You know he could get over that, and so could Porky and Buckwheat. They'd be like, oh, we were such idiots, right? It's like almost like a heightened child's memory where you kind of remember everything being more dramatic and crazy than it really was, you know. And the the other one though, serious therapy, serious therapy for everyone. No one thinks the world is safe anymore after that thing. But in fairness, none of the kids seemed the least bit bothered by it. Yeah, you think they were getting kidnapped on a daily basis? Like, oh, that was that was something. We were just in a shootout, a really loud shootout, in which one of us was used as a human shield. I mean, if you saw the bloody corpse of a friend stripped nude in front of you and were then taken prisoner by the killer who said he was going to kill you, I think you'd have some problems. But that's just a Tuesday for Kevin. <laughs> They don't even seem sorry the guy died. They just seem un unaffected by any of it. It's like the the producers of this were willing to say, oh, we're going to kill this motherfucker off. But they're not willing to deal with the actual emotional fallout of something like that being witnessed by children. So they'll have it happen, but they won't have anybody react to it in a realistic way. And in fairness, it was like uh, the whole thing was like 10 minutes. 10 minutes for all this. What's 10 minutes in a man's life? That's what Will Eisner's taught us. Well, in this case, it's a lot of murder and mayhem. It's no good. So I know you have shingles, but are you able to come up with a pithy one or two line five-star final that will uh, summarize in a concise and witty way your reaction to Hide and Shriek and Little Miss Pinkerton? Okay, my conclusion here is that Hide and Shriek was mostly a harmless haunted house hoot, while Little Miss Pinkerton was a big miss. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s. So all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.